As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11, and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. Good morning, church. Welcome to worship. My name is Eddie Humphrey. I'm the kids pastor here at First Baptist Belton. It's a joy and an honor to be with you on this holiday Sunday. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word. Turn to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. That will serve as our text this morning. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I have a question for you today, and I want you to do your best to answer this question without giving the most obvious answer in all of the world. And I want you to think hard. I want you to think deep. You can even mention your response to your family member to your right or to your left if you want to. But I want you to think about this question through your heart and with your mind. What is it about 2020, the year 2020, that you remember? Right? I said not the most obvious answer in the world, right? We all have one common denominator. What is it that you recall from this year? I remember going to my son's first middle school track and field meet. I remember um, partaking of the Lord's Supper in my living room, watching TV with my pastor from his living room. Do you remember that day? I remember going on a Florida beach vacation with my family, my parents, my brother and his family. I remember going to Walmart and for the very first time I opened up my trunk and I allowed a total stranger to put stuff inside of my car and I didn't even lift a finger. My first time ever to do that. I remember moving our daughter, our college-age daughter back home from school after spring break. All of a sudden we had bonus time. We had bonus time with her. And as she nears her latter part of her college career, with all of life in front of her, I mean, we cherished, we cherished almost every moment of it. We talked a lot about electoral votes this year, haven't we? Well, let me tell you, the popular vote came in back in early April. The popular vote in my home is apparently I can be very hard to live with. You know, with that amount of closeness, you know, things can't be rosy all of the time. Many times the opportunity to seek and to ask and to find and to extend forgiveness took place on many occasions. You know, this past year alone, as I did my own inventory of my walk, I had to ask for forgiveness at home Many times I had to ask for forgiveness in the workplace. I had to ask for forgiveness in public in my volunteer roles. What about you? How often do you find yourself in predicaments where you have to ask for forgiveness from someone else? As a child, yes, right? Many times, many times. You remember your parents or your grandparents saying, you need to go right over there and tell him or her that you are sorry 
for what you did. Or maybe was it like this? You need to go right over there right now. And you need to march yourself up there and you need to say you're sorry for what you said. As a child, it happens. But as older adults, do we ever get to the point to where it is flat out difficult? I mean, it's a challenge. Can it be a challenge to go up to another adult and to ask these words, will you forgive me? Is that difficult? It can be for me. Is it because we think we're perfect? Is it because we think we have all of our relationships in order? Or maybe it's because we think it's my way or the highway. It's me or nothing, right? Does it simply not matter to us anymore as older persons that we've offended another? And I'm going to say it, yeah, that we've hurt somebody's feelings. That we've stepped out of line. That we've crossed the line. In today's passage, Jesus is talking about harmony. He's telling the disciples how to work through interpersonal difficulties. In the previous verses from the ones we're about to read, Jesus instructs believers on how to navigate the waters of unrest between Christian believers inside of the local church setting. Now the birth of this sermon, it does not stem from any type of unrest. It does not stem from any type of ill will that I'm aware of in our midst. No, not at all. The birth of this sermon is to illustrate a great spiritual discipline. As you and I daily take up our cross and follow after Jesus Christ, a spiritual discipline that must be in our life. As we close 2020 and we say hello to a brand new year, forgiveness. While Jesus was speaking in our text, a question dawned in Peter's mind. And this is what Peter said. He said, Lord, um, how often, how often shall I forgive my brother? In response, Jesus said, in effect, there is no limit to mercy. You are to go right on forgiving. Even if you must do it 70 times 7. To illustrate this, Jesus went on to tell them the parable of the unforgiving debtor. Remember that story? We know that a parable is a lesson that has a specific teaching point embedded right in it. We've heard of the single denarius worth one full day's wage. I'll share with you that it's not the actual sums of the amounts that the slave has. That's the point of the story. No, it's the disparity between the two is what we need to focus on. One scholar actually says, he puts it this way, the disparity between the talents is that of 600,000 to one. That's the difference. As we read our text in just a moment, you'll find that Jesus did not suggest for a second. He did not suggest for one second that the debts owed to us by men's sins are not grievous. Because we can all agree, a lot of times they are. They hurt a lot. But compared with our debts to God, they are virtually nothing. Compared to our debts to God, they are virtually zero. Let's read our text this morning. Matthew chapter 18, 
verses 21 through 35, because God's book is different than any other periodical you ever read. It is alive. I invite you to stand out of respect and honor to the reading found in this New Testament book, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how many times could my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, Jesus said to him. Settle accounts with his slaves. Settle accounts. One who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. His master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the slave fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. The master of that slave had compassion, released him, and forgave him. That slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. Grabbed him, started choking him, and said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow slave fell down and began begging him. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Pay what was owed. The other slaves saw what had taken place. They were deeply distressed. Verse 32. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And his master got angry and handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. Jesus says, So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from His heart. Bow with me in prayer. Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together corporately in worship today. God, we thank you for the power of your written word, which is alive and which is meant to impact our daily living as we take up our cross and follow you, Lord. May this lesson today on forgiveness, may it pierce our heart. God, may it increase our devotion to you and may it help us impact our community, and the world for your kingdom's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This morning we are going to look at the fine art of forgiveness. I'm sure we can all agree, right? We can all agree that there is no easy formula for forgiveness. I wish there was. There's no easy formula for forgiveness, but that the word of God clearly speaks to its importance within our lives. It's been my hope, it's been my prayer for you that as you leave this room today, you go out these doors and you go have lunch, you continue your holiday celebration, that you will have been challenged and inspired by the Word of God to practice the fine art of forgiveness within the entire scope of your life here on earth. How then? How then do we do it? How then do we learn to forgive? Let me share with you a few suggestions. But first, let's look at the definition of forgiveness. 
Let's make sure we're all on the right page, the same page as we begin. To forgive is to release another person from a debt that they owe me as a result of a wrong that they have inflicted upon me. There's three elements to forgiveness. Number one, easy. You are wronged. Number two, there's a sense of debt. There's a sense of obligation that someone owes you because of the wrong that they've brought your way. Finally, number three. Number three, forgiveness is releasing that person. It is canceling that debt. It's to say, you hurt me. You hurt me. There's a sense of loss here. But out of my relationship with you, because you mean so much to me, I'm going to count that as more important. And I'm going to cancel it. I'm going to get rid of it. I'm going to shake it off. I'm going to let it go. That's what it means to forgive. Now, the first tangible suggestion that I want to give today, one of the first principles I want to offer you as we walk through the process of learning the fine art of forgiveness is this. Make certain you have received and experienced God's forgiveness yourself. That is paramount. It's number one. Make certain that you've received and experienced God's forgiveness yourself. We can't skip past that. We can't gloss over that. We can't assume that everyone in this room has made that decision already spiritually. When we receive Christ as our Savior, we receive His forgiveness. Listen to what it says in Psalms 103, verse 12. It says, As far as the east, the east, is from the west... So far has he removed our transgressions from us. He's gotten rid of them. They're gone. In addition to forgiveness, we must, in addition to receiving forgiveness, we must experience it. That is, we must realize how fully we've been freed from guilt. We must shake off the shame and we must leave it behind us. What was this past week like for you? Maybe, maybe our stories mesh up a little bit. Uh, I'm sure every home has their own special traditions, of course. Their specific details. But maybe we have some common ground here. For my family, we traveled to go see our family in Tyler that we don't get to see very often. And we got there last Sunday and I came home on Friday. My family's still there. I'm driving three more hours this afternoon to go catch up with them. And our week looked like this. We went to Walmart. And then we went to Walmart again. And then we went to Old Navy. And we went to the Gap. And we ate breakfast together. And we watched Christmas movies. We told stories. We ate lunch together. We cleaned up all of that mess. And then we had dinner. And then we hung out some more. We did white elephant gifts. We did all of those things. Maybe you did some of those too. If you were like me, you might have gone to a Christmas Eve service. We went to a beautiful service, a dynamic service. The pastor was teaching and he was reminding everybody in the audience about how Jesus came to be our rescuer. Amen. He came to be our rescuer. Jesus came when God created the world. He created it perfect. He created me and you in his own image for relationship. But then what happened? We made a poor choice. Sin entered the world. 
And it's as if I'm right here. God is over there and all this sin is in between us. And God can't have any part of sin. That sin alienated us from God. And so God had to come up with a sin solution. And what did he do? He became our rescuer. He came to earth in the, as a form of in a baby. He grew up. He showed us how to live. He allowed us to have a relationship again with the Heavenly Father. You know, amidst all of the cleaning and the straightening this week at my parents' home, I had the occasion to be in their kitchen. And I looked underneath their kitchen sink, and, and this is what I found. Does anybody have one of these? It's a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. My wife introduced this little tool to me a couple of years ago. She and I both, both work with kids. She's a first grade teacher. I'm a kid's pastor. We deal with messes all the time, right? The magic eraser is indeed a wonderful tool. It can clean almost anything. Crayons on tables. You know, the paint spills off the table onto the ground. Um, you know, the, the children run in from outside. They're all sweaty and they rub up against the wall and now there's smudges everywhere. I mean, a magic eraser can clean each and every part of that. It's, it's wonderful. My mom was kind enough to let me bring it today. You know, in a mere object lesson point of view, a simple word picture, an object lesson, Jesus' work on the cross was the eraser for your sins and mine. It does not matter what the sin has been in your life. It doesn't matter the sin that I sadly will commit later today. The sin that will be a part of my life this next week because I'm fallible. I'm human. But Jesus' work on the cross is a magic eraser that can get rid of everything. And it can wipe out all of this so I can have a relationship with God the Father. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Make certain you've received and experienced God's forgiveness yourself. Once we've had that assurance that Jesus is our Savior... You must choose to forgive the person who wronged you. Write that down. Choose to forgive the person who wronged you. You know, just like forgiveness, there's no easy formula. It's also not a little feeling that you just sort of float into. It doesn't work like that. You have to be intentional. You have to be purposeful. You have to make a decision to let the debt go no matter what the subject was no matter who the person or persons are no matter the pain it caused you no matter the amount of time elapsed since the incident no matter how innocent you think you are do you ever camp out there i do unfortunately it doesn't matter how innocent you think you are If you have an example already in your mind and in your heart today where forgiveness is needed, it is imperative. Another way to say it is it is a must. It is a must. Right now, you know it. They know it. Of course, God knows it. Make it right. Choose forgiveness. Just think. 
just think of all that you've been missing out on in that relationship. Most, if not all of us, have seen the holiday film classic, the movie where the senior adult man lives home alone on his street. And the kids in the neighborhood, they they make up stories about this guy. You see, they don't take time to get to know him. They might think it's not important to get to know him. So they just talk about him. I mean, this guy is treated unjustly. <laughs> I mean, flat out, he gets a bad rap. It's unfair. Well, the story goes that on Christmas Eve, he goes to church. He goes to church. Do you know what story I'm talking about here today? A father and a son. An offense had taken place years ago. The subject matter totally forgotten. But ill will and distance was costing everybody in the family a relationship. The movie implies that forgiveness enters the story, right? Reconciliation takes place. Relationships are restored. And a grandfather gets to spend Christmas with his kids and his granddaughter. Choose to forgive the person who has wronged you. And no, you and I cannot do it on our own. We cannot do it on our own. We must. We must have the strength and the power of God's Holy Spirit in order to do it. Hear the words in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive you your wrongdoing. Luke six thirty-seven. You've heard this verse before. It says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and the Bible says, and you will be forgiven. Now suppose you went into a restroom, a public restroom, and you find that a commode had been used over and over and over again without anybody taking the time to flush it. Now, don't look at me that way. Everybody's encountered this. Don't look at me that way. Nobody had taken time to do that. So you, being a brave or maybe a desperate soul, you edge up close enough and you reach out just enough to flush it. But the drain was so clogged The pipes were so yucky that the mess spilled out all on the floor. That is a picture of the human heart that refuses to flush away anger, bitterness, and resentment. The unhealthy debris, what does it do in our lives? It it builds up. It backs up. Until all of a sudden, it comes out and it touches all of the lives near us. I wonder today if someone here is in need of a spiritual plumber. Is it just one person in the audience today? Maybe it's an entire row of people. Maybe not your specific row, but that volume, that quantity of people. Maybe it's a whole section. 
Your heart is clogged by anger, by bitterness, by hurt feelings, by an unforgiving spirit. God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you of your sins against him through Jesus Christ. But you haven't extended grace to someone else. The grace of God demonstrated in Jesus. It's a plunger. It's a plunger that can unclog the heart and clear the pipes. Who is that person? What is that process in your life today that's in need of a Christ-like forgiveness? Is it the neighbor who continually plays their music loudly, loudly, loudly all of the time? Is it that coworker who all the time behind your back goes around taking credit for all of your hard work? Is it the court decision that didn't go your way? Is it one drama after another, compounding, compounding, compounding? Over the years between you and a sibling. Is it your conflicting personalities with your adult age son or daughter? That annually. And I mean year after year after year. It robs your family of peace. Of love. Of joy. During the holidays or during special occasions. Or maybe. Just maybe. And I hope it's not this one. Maybe the relationship that needs forgiveness the most in your house is the relationship or lack thereof between you and your spouse. Whatever category you fit into, and probably your particular story I didn't even mention. Whatever it is, no matter who it is, you and I must ask God to help us choose to forgive the person who wronged us. And with all due respect, with all due levels of sensitivity to each and every one in attendance today, whether you're on the floor, you're in the balcony, you're behind me, it doesn't matter how big or how bad the grievance was, how much it hurt, or when it occurred, God wants you and I to forgive that person or process. And once we do that, we must keep on forgiving. That's our next principle. You must keep on forgiving. Forgiveness means never bringing up that issue again. When you forgive someone, you're saying by the grace of God, the matter is gone. It is gone. I'm not going to bring it up any more. It's over with. What's that old adage? Some people bury the hatchet, but they keep the map showing where it lies. When Jesus told us in our scripture to forgive our brother 70 times 7, he was not implying that someone had sinned against us 490 times. No, perhaps the person only offended us one time, but we have to continue to get down on our knees 490 times because the old resentments keep Popping back up in our memory bank. Has that ever happened to you? 
we must keep on forgiving. Luke 17, verse 3 and 4 says, Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and comes back to you seven times saying, I repent, the Bible says you must forgive him. Truly, you and I, as mere humans, we have the capacity to forgive sins in a secondary, limited kind of sense. Do we not? In an ultimate primary sense, only God can extend true forgiveness because it is his law that has been broken and it is against him that all sin occurs. For the believer, once someone has been wrong, they must choose to forgive the person that wronged them. They must keep on forgiving and they must continue to grow in Christ. Our final principle of the morning. It takes a lot of maturity to learn the fine art of forgiveness. A lot of maturity. It can't be accomplished apart from an increasingly mature Christianity. For the older we grow in age, the deeper we should grow in Christ. Amen? I'll say it again. The older we grow in age, the deeper we should grow in Christ. Amen? Amen, church. You might be sitting there today. For the past 25 minutes or 30 minutes or so. And you might say, you know what? In my life, I always, I've always struggled with forgiveness. Maybe it's difficult for you to acknowledge that, yep, I goofed up. I messed up. If that's the case for you this morning, I have three words that can help you. Three words that can help you. In the area of the fine art of forgiveness. Here they are. For Christ's sake. Write it down. For Christ's sake. It's true. Your son has behaved wrongly. And in a fit of anger. You spoke severely to him. I beg of you to eat your words. For Christ's sake. Come you two who have fallen out. Love each other. For Christ's sake. Friends who used to be best friends. And then ill will came in between. Get together. For Christ's sake. You must not keep a drop of malice in your soul. For Christ's sake. Make it right. Seek it. Ask for it. Extend it. For Christ's sake. Forgiveness. Let me give you a real life example, a real life example surrounding the topic of forgiveness. This narrative took place over 20 years ago as I served as a hospital chaplain right over there on the big hill at Scott and White. On a given night, one holiday season, on a night in between Christmas and New Year. So this particular time that we're living in right now, late one night, I received a page on my pager calling me down to the emergency room where a trauma had entered into the hospital. Now, the job of a chaplain in a moment like that is to help care for any family members, any friends that are with the injured or the sick, to console them, to comfort them, to love on them, to be there for them. Just somebody else in the room to offer support, 
To help communication between the staff and the family. On this particular occasion, the specific story that was unfolding for the doctors and nurses and technicians was that of a family of four driving in their car coming home from Christmas and an 18-wheeler crossed the median, sideswiped the car, leaving the father, the husband, dead at the scene. As the medical professionals were performing their craft, my job at that point, with no family or friends around, was to go through any kind of information that we could find to learn who this family was. As I worked with the officer there from the hospital, we went through the mother's purse and we found contact numbers. And I began to try and determine who was who and who I needed to call first. My knees were, they were weak. They were, they were shaking. As I began dialing that out of state phone number to the parents of the deceased husband and father. As the doctors were determining that the children and mother's injuries, surprisingly enough, were not life threatening, the police arrived on the scene and they came with a handful of photos from the scene. Christmas presents all strewn out on the highway. They also came empowered with unofficial information at the moment that the driver of the 18-wheeler was on cocaine. And upon hearing that everybody, and I mean everybody, that worked in that emergency room, the emotional level, it went up a notch or two to that of anger. Well, a few days later, on a routine afternoon, I got another page on my pager right here on my belt. I responded to it and I went to a normal, regular, surgical patient room. This gentleman had called me to his room. I entered the room. I introduced myself. I began asking questions to try to stimulate conversation. This individual, he wasn't having it. Things were sort of quiet. At the beginning, my patience level at the beginning was pretty good. I started thinking, okay, how can I offer support to him? How can I give any type of spiritual guidance when he at the moment is choosing not to speak? He finally began to say something. It was a little bit hard to understand. He was reluctant. He was hesitant. And I remember thinking, hey, you called me into the room, right? He was hesitant. He was reluctant. He started asking a question about someone else in the hospital. Now, of course, immediately I wrote that question off, right? You cannot talk about one family to another family. You can't talk about A's story with person B. You can't do it. It's not allowed. So I steered the conversation back to him. Why he was here. How I could offer support to him. He then began to describe an event that had recently taken place in his life. He began to get emotional. 
He was crying. And again, he was very hard to understand. He said, he said, I need, I need forgiveness. Is what he said. Towards me, in desperation, he said, can you forgive me? He said, will, will you, will you forgive me? I said, sir, what is it that you need to be forgiven for? Again, he was hesitant. He was, he was slow to speak. He wouldn't give me a straight answer. So I waited. I waited. He would finally utter these words. This is verbatim. He said, I am a truck driver. And I was in an accident the other day. It finally dawned on me. The pieces of the puzzle began to fit. He was the truck driver. He was the truck driver on cocaine. Probably taking that substance in order to stay awake while driving on his route. It was he that caused the accident. That claimed the life, the husband, the father of the family who was simply on their way home from Christmas. I mean, the family of four was now a family of three because of this guy sitting right in front of me. And he's asking me to forgive him. I thought, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You've got to be crazy. That's what I was thinking in my mind. I've seen what you caused. And forgiveness is the last thing that I'm going to extend to you here today, buddy. Well, my knees, they got weak again. My knees got shaky again. And to this day, two decades plus later, I'm still not proud of what happened next. I went into a basic, pure, mere operational mode. I tried to offer some type of guiding words. And you know what I did next? I got out of that room as fast as I could. The strong and overpowering need of forgiveness to seek it, to ask for it, to extend it. Forgiveness. Let me ask you a question. Who is it that you need to forgive today? Who is that person? Is it a friend? Is it a coworker? Is it a son or a daughter? Is it your spouse? I want you to do something for me. I want you to look at your watch. Now, how many times has a preacher invited you to look at your watch? I'm giving you clearance. Look at your watch. We are over 48 hours away removed from Christmas. It's been two days since Christmas. But maybe for somebody, maybe for a few, maybe for some, you haven't even opened the best Christmas gift of the year yet. Choose forgiveness. Now, I don't know the end of that ER story. Nor do I know the end to your story. The story where forgiveness is needed.
And again, maybe, maybe for some, maybe for many, you're sitting in your pew right now and you're saying, listen, I'm liking what you're saying, but I'm good. I'm good. My relationships are fine. I mean, I am all reconciled up. I'm in a healthy place. And if that's the case for you, all eyes right on me. If that's the case for you, glory to God. Praise him. Hallelujah. That is wonderful. I say thank you for being an example to others about reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness. But dare I say, as we flip that calendar from 2020 to 2021, that there will not be at least one occasion this upcoming year where the principles of the fine art of forgiveness will not be needed in your life. And if you don't believe that, let's just say I hope you do. The fine art of forgiveness. Only you and the Heavenly Father know that when you feel as though the wrong that has come your way is so big and so bad that you couldn't even imagine yourself entertaining the idea of offering forgiveness, maybe you're the one saying, are you kidding me? Are you out of your mind? You might say, preacher, you don't even know. You don't even know. Maybe you're saying, I've seen what, I've seen what you've caused. I'm living through it. And forgiveness is the last thing that I'm going to offer today. Remember, when we can't, God can. Remember, when we can't, God can. He is more than big enough. He wants you to desire it. He wants you to seek after it. He wants restoration in your life. God is a champion for reconciliation. And more than anything else in this whole wide world, He wants you to choose to accept him as your Lord and Savior and offer his spiritual forgiveness. And he wants you to learn the fine art of forgiveness and practice it in your life within the entire scope of your being here on earth. The fine art of forgiveness. Let me pray for you today. Jesus, we do bow before you in prayer and we thank you, God, For these moments of looking in your word. We thank you for the parable of the unforgiving debtor. We thank you for these principles of forgiveness. That you have challenged and encouraged us with today. God may they make a difference in our life. As we say goodbye to 2020. We say hello to 2021 Lord. Help us to practice this spiritual discipline. As we daily take up our cross. And follow you. In Jesus name. Amen. This morning, Christ wants to forgive you a debt amounting to billions, billions. And he wants you and I to forgive the nickel and dime debts against us. Our invitation today is simple and direct. Perhaps there is someone here today that needs the forgiveness of God. A person who has never asked Jesus to be their personal Lord and Savior. This morning we invite you to do just that. His eraser, his work on the cross can get rid of any and all sins in your life. Come to a relationship with God through Jesus. All you have to do is accept his free gift of salvation. Or maybe... Maybe today God has impressed upon you that specific person, that process within your life where forgiveness is needed. God wants you and I every day 
to choose to forgive. As Matt and our instruments lead us, please stand and respond. Respond as as God leads you. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you just want to talk to somebody. We're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.